The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. You are tuned into Inspire FM 105.1 FM. Welcome to Mother's Planet, a show where there is always something to talk about in a productive and beneficial way. I'm your host, Neelam, and joining me today on the show is my guest, Camilla. Now, I shall get Camilla to um, introduce herself uh, formally to the listeners. Uh, but first, uh, morning and assalamu alaikum, uh, Camilla. Good morning. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi Neelam. Lovely to see you. And yourself. Um, and so, Camilla, how has the week been for you? Cold. <laughs> and wet. Yeah, cold and wet. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's been quite a crazy week with the weather. Um, it's, um, I, I don't know, uh, do you like the rain? I know the rain, they say, has its blessings and, it's, and it brings burgeth, but I find it really hard to enjoy the rain. Yeah, it's difficult when you're getting soaked right through in it. Your jilbab, your hijab. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But so, yeah. what kind of what kind of weather person are you? Um, I think I'm an in between person. So I don't like it too hot, and I don't like it too cold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so around, around twenty twenty two degrees, that's fine. Yeah. So around springtime. So um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the nice time. Um, I, I I'm not liking. I don't mind it being cold because you can just layer up. Um, but when it's wet, um, I find it very hard. Um, firstly, because I can never get through my never-ending washing bucket, and I've got uh, piles of washing to catch up on because of the rain, and uh, also because um, outings, you know, anything outdoor activities just get completely shunned aside. I can't do anything. I don't want to go anywhere. And I'm one of those people that when it rains, I just want to curl up on the sofa with a, <laughs> a, a hot drink and um, and just watch the rain and listen to it rather than being in it. So, uh, I'm, yeah, I don't like the rain um, at all because I don't like getting wet. But uh, speaking of uh, teas, hot, dr- uh, hot drinks and watching the rain... Um, I always like to ask my listeners, Camilla, on uh, sat- uh, on Friday mornings what their what their brew is that they're having with me this morning. Um, what kind of um, drink are you? Are you uh, what kind of brew do you like? Are you a? Tea- I actually really enjoy herbal teas. Ah. So I've I've got one that's called Super Fruit that I'm drinking at the moment. Wow. So has it got a mixture of fruits in there? Yeah, yes, it has. Um, so it's got like a berry mix and cinnamon, uh-huh. different spices, etc. Yeah. Oh, that sounds quite nice, actually, especially if it's got like um, that um, spice mix to it, because you kind of need that in this weather just to give you that warmth, I guess. And, yeah. and do you like to sweeten it or do you have it just as it is? No, I sweeten it with honey. Ah, yes. Okay. Same with myself. Yeah. So if I have a herbal tea, I don't put sugar in it. I like to have my um, uh, honey in that. So, but I do have my cup of tea with me this morning. So um, I always like to check in on my listeners. So listeners, uh, do share with us what you're having uh, this morning, what kind of brew you are drinking uh, as you kick back and listen to the show um, this morning. Um, I am taking in text and WhatsApp messages on 0779 481 We are live on air, reaching out to all our listeners in and surrounding areas 
through the airwaves at Inspire FM 105.1 FM. Listeners can also connect through TuneIn um, uh, via the Inspire FM webpage. Now, my TuneIn via my um, my um, Alexa has had some issues, so I'm not sure if many are facing that, but I know the team are notified and they are trying to work on this. But you can also tune into the show via the Inspire FM app, which you can access on your smartphone, so you don't really have an excuse to miss the show. We are also live as an audio on the Inspire FM Facebook page where you can like the show and also leave any comments around today's topic. And as I mentioned, I am taking in text or WhatsApp messages on the studio number 0779 481822. Now I'm going to kick off straight into the show today. Um, my guest Camilla and I will be talking about trauma and grief and uh, looking at some healing techniques as well as finding out a bit more about what trauma and grief is, the causes of this and um, and then um, Camilla will be sharing some of her healing techniques and things that she does. Now, Camilla is undoubtedly well known to the community for her fantastic workshops that she is running um throughout the town um she has been running quite a few um sessions so i'm pretty sure lots of listeners um are aware of who she is um the list of her line of work can go on but camilla i think it's time for the listeners to hear from you and not me introducing you so can i please get you to introduce yourself to the listeners Yes. Yeah, so, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi everyone. Good morning. So my name is Camilla Lacey. I'm a mum of seven, a grandmother of six. Um, alhamdulillah, I've always um, worked within the communities that I've lived in. I'm one of the founders and a director of the Trauma Healing Collective, which is a collective that's aimed at working with women um, <clears throat> from the Muslim community and women of colour who are experiencing trauma. I'm an accredited uh, child sexual exploitation practitioner, a trauma support practitioner, somatic healing and child adversity and trauma trainer. Um, so that's some of my um, qualifications around the work that I do. Well, there you go. See, listeners, I told you I could uh, go on and on about the line of work that Camilla does. But Camilla, I'm going to go right back to the beginning. Mum of seven. Mashallah. Yes. Mashallah. Mashallah. Hats off to you. How is that? Um, well, they range from a, uh, the age range is varied. So my eldest child um, will be a forty-two, I think, this year, and my youngest is twenty-one. So it's uh, quite a range, yeah. But yeah, it's great. I'm used to it. I come from a family of nine, so okay. Um, okay. So really, yeah. you haven't actually quite beat the ben- benchmark yet. No. <laughs> Seven is nothing then. Oh, wow, mashallah, that's amazing. And and that's amazing, Camilla, that you have a child that's 42, mashallah. So, you know, you were doing fantastic. And um, I admire you because you haven't stopped and just thought, I'm going to be a grandma and just, you know, be with them and not do anything. You're actually serving back to the community and, and still looking out for the women in the community, which I think is fantastic. And the work that you do is fantastic as well, which we will unveil a bit later in the show. But first, um, can we start off with um, trauma and actually understanding the concept around trauma, what this actually is? Yeah. So, um when we think about trauma, people tend to think about trauma being the event that happened to the person. Um, but what trauma actually is, it's the emotional and physical response to that event. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, that event could be um, a horrific accident. It, it could be a form of abuse. It could be someone that's lived through like a tsunami or an 
an earthquake or witnessed something that um, was extremely violent. So what I like to say is that trauma is not what happened to you, but it's what happens inside you as a result of what happened to you. Mm. So trauma is not the event itself, but it's what the event causes. Okay, okay. So, you know, um, typical signs of trauma, um, you know, and how this makes people feel. So uh, is it often related to when they are faced with that event or situation, it floods things back and then it can send them off? Um, Or is it something that generally in their day-to-day lives, they're trying to find ways of getting over that trauma? Yeah, um, so it's a mixture, really, of 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 different things um to be honest so what what are the typical signs what would we be looking for how does it make a person feel so some of the symptoms and the signs of trauma that you would see could be a person that has flashbacks um nightmares um feeling really really anxious um and then you've got the other uh scale of the spectrum where that person could feel really numb Um, you know just want to sleep but then having difficulty trying to sleep so we've got like two sides of the window we've got hyper arousal where that person is really heightened and cannot calm down and then we've got hyper arousal where the person's just completely numbed out and you know can't do anything so this would be some um of the signs and there's also behavior patterns and those behavior patterns can be linked to other things as well but if they're consistent it will usually indicate um that they're trauma and these system these symptoms they can really make a person feel really really overwhelmed um because it's something that they have no control over to a degree and they feel like you know i don't know what's happening in my life i don't know why i'm feeling like this um so, as I said, can be very, very overwhelming for somebody. And, you know, uh, trauma can also then, um, uh, when I when we look at how it makes a person feel, and as well as them feeling like they can't get up, can't sleep, um, it can actually uh, affect their mood swings and their temper. Oh, yeah, definitely, because um, a lot of, uh, of, lot of the elements of trauma is that your thoughts and your perspectives are irrational, but for you they're real. And that's why sometimes we may see a person who's um, sitting with us, they're speaking to us, they're they're fine, and mm. suddenly they'll start acting what we would say is crazy. What's wrong with you? No one said anything. Mm. But for that person, they may have been triggered by a smell, a sound, something that someone has said. Yeah. And what that does is it reminds them of the perpetrator or what caused their trauma. So, yeah. for instance, um, someone who may have um, served in the war or... Yeah through an earthquake or volcano they hear a sudden loud bang of lightning and for us it's all normal they may suddenly run and hide under a table and we're thinking what's going on but it's reminding them of that event mm. um and they haven't healed from that so therefore they're still reacting as if the event's in the present mm. and this is the interesting thing about trauma because it's an internal thing so to physically look at somebody you would never know somebody is actually going through any form of trauma because often um, and you could probably shed some light on this from your experience people from the external side of things um look normal yes i would say i would say that um they could look normal but their behavior wouldn't so if you were around a person a lot you would see the pattern in their behavior so it would indicate to you that something is wrong but i think because many of us 
<clears throat> not trauma informed and we don't look at things through a trauma lens mm. we tend to just label them so oh you know they're crazy or they may have bipolar or they're manic or you know if it's a child he's got adhd or he's you know he's just out of control or he's spoiled so we tend to attach labels so in general yes that person may look like they're okay but their behavior because it would be consistent and it would be over a period of time it would indicate that there's something more at play yeah, that, that's very true. Now, listeners, if you have just tuned in, um, I'm joined by the lovely Camilla this morning um, from the Trauma um, uh, and um, Clinic. Um, and um, we are looking at trauma and we are going to be uh, looking at grief this morning. So if you do have any questions that you'd like to ask my guests or share any um, stories or scenarios that you've been in, please do send in text messages uh, or WhatsApp messages on the studio number 0779-481-822. Now, I guess understanding trauma and seeing there's um, signs and symptoms around it and how it can make a person feel, um, there must be types of trauma. Now, I know you briefly touched on it in your earlier part of the question um but other other can you can you give me uh, you know three main types of trauma so when we look at the types of trauma most people would speak about acute chronic and complex mm -hmm. however many of us um are now working with and recognizing historical and generational trauma Mm -hmm. um, that is a very, very big thing that, you know, has been missed um, over the years. So although we talk about it in the context of that acute trauma being um, an event that happens, so it's something that can happen to us in everyday life. So, for instance, let's say you're afraid of um, a dog. Mm. and um, you're afraid of dogs and you go out of the house and you see um, the man coming down the road with his massive dog. In your eyes, this dog's really massive. Mm. It's ferocious. He's got the dog on the lead, but in your mind, it looks as if he's going to let the dog off the lead. And this is because obviously you have that fear that's already there of, of the dog. What happens is you start to go into hyper arousal. So all of us as human beings, we have this arousal cycle. OK, yeah. and the difference of coming out of it and staying in it is what makes someone stay in trauma and come out. So what happens is you get heightened, you start to panic, you're looking for a way to escape. What can you do? Um, how can you get out of it? And then you realize that actually he's gone up the road. The dog's totally ignoring you and you calm down. OK, mm -hmm. and you come out of that heightened state and you're fine and you go on your way. So that's what we would call acute. It's it's happened, but you've come out of it. OK, and okay. then we have what we call chronic trauma, okay. which is trauma where um, you've been exposed to something over a period of time. So it could be abuse. Um, it could be violence. You could be witnessing, like, say, for instance, domestic violence in the home. Um, a parent could have an addiction. So all of these things, you could live in a war-torn area. So it's chronic. It's over a period of time. And then we have what we call complex trauma, which is where you have several different events that are happening to you throughout your lifetime, and you've never healed from any of them. So in childhood, you may have um, been abused, or you may have had alcoholic parents. And in your teens, you may have gone through a phase where um, you were um, taking drugs, or you were drinking, or you, you know, were promiscuous, just anything that was had a negative impact on your life. And then you decide that um, you marry and you find out this partner is abusive. Mm -hmm. And you try to get out of it, and you go back to doing something that will numb your pain. So it's just event upon event upon event without you getting any kind of healing for it and any kind of support. So we, we look at this as complex trauma. Um, 
historical and generational, I'll just touch a tiny bit on that. Mm. Historical trauma is when we look at people like the Aborigines, um, et cetera, who have been taken from their land, stripped of their language, stripped of all their, um, everything that they know, their culture. And if you have a look at those people now, and the studies show how many of them were forced to be taken and given to what they called normal white Christian families to change everything for them. Most of those people are now suffering from trauma themselves. They're unemployed, they're alcoholics, um, they self-harm. There's really, really drastic mental health issues amongst them. And this is not, this is just an example of a community, but this happens in many communities um, where we have this, um, where we have this historical trauma. So I think that's something, especially for us who are people of faith and people of colour, to also recognise that there is historical and generational trauma at play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've never heard of that one, but now hearing your definition of what that is, and I can imagine that that being a huge chunk, you know, or, or, um, of people that are actually suffering with this and uh, and we're not knowing that as well. And there was one more that you mentioned. Yeah, so it's historical and generational. So that the generational is like what we pass down. Um, and that would usually be um, the skills and the way of dealing with something. So, and some things are just embedded in us. They are because it's culturally and what has happened from generation to generation to generation. Yeah, yeah. And I and I guess with that, that's the generational one. Then, um, yes, know, that's culturally passed down. And we, yeah. And and it's interesting you say this because I mean, my my guest last week we talked about how. Um, you know, culturally things have, we've just accepted things and we've thought that that's the norm until you reach a point where you think, actually, this isn't normal and this isn't, you know, acceptable. We, sh- we should be addressing this as an issue and trying to overcome this. So um, uh, it- it's interesting to see how that's been picked up. So um, thank you for bringing those to my attention because I was only aware of the three. So to know that there are those two others, and, and as you say, they do have huge factors, Um uh, that play in that so um we're looking at trauma um i mean uh, it's very interesting because acute trauma is something you would you agree with then to say that this is something we can deal with ourselves because I, I have a fear of heights and i know yeah, like me <laughs> yeah when i go to theme parks i'm i'm mm-hmm. terrible i'll be the person that's holding the bags or stand with the push chair or you know i i don't i don't i'm not obliged to go on the rides and I, i'm quite happy to stand back and watch so i have a fear of heights and i will just say anything that takes me out of that comfort zone i'm not going i don't i don't, I don't want to take part in it and so um that's that would be considered as an acute trauma because I don't actually know what led to it. I don't even know why I'm scared of height. I think it's just a fear of hurting myself. I think, you know, it's interesting because now I have a two-year-old and as she's um, got older, I realise she's beginning to sense fear and she now, there's certain things she doesn't like doing because she thinks, oh, no, I don't want to do that in case I hurt myself or in case I fall. So she's now already... Um, knowing that if I jump from this and it's too high, I might not land on the floor on my bottom or on my legs. I might actually hurt myself. So she'll avoid doing certain things. Um, and I, I don't know, you know, would you link height, fear of heights to anything like that? Well, what your daughter's doing is a risk assessment. 
Ah, okay. <laughs> she's too. So she's assessing the risk and thinking because she's probably jumped before and hurt herself and realised, well, if I do this again, mm-hmm. will I make it this time or won't I? So at that age, I would say it's more of a um, more of a, a risk assessment um, than um, the fear. But I'd say with heights because I have exactly the same phobia as you mm. and um i can link certain things back to why i have that but i wouldn't say that necessarily that it's acute in the sense that if you were put in that situation mm. how you would react right yeah. so i would be on the sidelines with you i'd be holding the bags i wouldn't be doing anything and recently i was taken out of my comfort zone because i was abroad and i was put in a situation where i had no choice we didn't realize mm. um and um i had actually quite an adverse reaction oh, wow. and um yeah and it and it, it took me a while to actually process wow. that reaction yes. but i was in a situation where i had no choice i had to continue that was the only way i was going to get out of the situation yeah. um and it, it is that irrational fear that and sometimes we don't know what that irrational fear is. We, is it that we think we're going to fall? Is it that we think something's going to happen? We don't know, but it's there because when it's irrational, you don't know, do you? Uh, um, so I think that it, it would be acute in the sense if it wasn't something that was a real phobia for you because okay. you could come out the other end. So although you may come out the other end, let's say, for instance, you went on the big wheel that they forced you to, and then let's say that big wheel became stuck. Mm. you would be really, really heightened because of your fear of that. Um, and even when they got you out, that hu- you would still stay heightened yes. because it's something that really was drastic for you. Yes. If it's something that isn't so drastic, it's just a daily thing, you know, because all of us can be scared from something or react to something in a way that, whoa, you know, someone jumps out on you, um, you become heightened, you know, you become panicky, but then you realise, okay, I'm safe and you calm down. So when you stay aroused, it's when you don't feel safe. Yes. Okay. I'm with you. So, so, so that would be the difference that you did you, you still do not feel safe. And if you're out of that big wheel, yeah. even if you're sitting at home, you're remembering it. So you still do not feel safe. Yeah, no. And and that's a good example you gave because um there was a Ferris wheel and and I did go on it and uh, um I uh, I I overcome that fear actually because um I was like what if we stop right at the top and you know the the thing wobbles as well and I'm going to be looking down at all the people you know we have to sit super still we can't move and and actually when when it did stop I looked down and I thought actually it's not that bad and I was okay yeah. you know um I I allowed my 2 year old to jump and, and not feel like don't move in there so we did have that now uh, Camilla we have a question that's just uh, come through um is reactive abuse caused by trauma if an individual has be has been in an abusive marriage yeah so reactive reactive um uh, it definitely is because what happens is that person has been just taken to breaking point okay. and they'll react. And it's also part of the abuser's plan. Mm. Part of the abuser's plan is to take you to that point where you look like the aggressor, where you look like the crazy person. So they look like the person that's calm, got it together. And usually when they do it, they'll push your buttons in a way publicly, but no one will know that's what's happening yeah so when you react now you will look like the aggressor but definitely yes it's a build-up of all that trauma especially if you've been in an abusive marriage mm. it's all part of the abuser's game and and it's you know it, it, as you say 
you get to that um um burning point where you think okay you know what boiling point is the number that word i was looking for you get to that boiling point where you think enough is enough and and yes you know you react in in a, in a way that might be out of context for yourself but it's just because that's the only way you can react and um, many of these abusers are very good at making other people even family members think that they're you know they're the best partner that you could ever have so then if someone suddenly sees you reacting like this to this great partner they're going to be thinking well she's the crazy one we haven't seen him do anything. Yeah. I mean, even the person that is the abuser, sometimes I always think that they're not naturally born that way. There's something that's made them in that way. Would you agree? Um, I'm kind of on the fence with that. Yeah. I, I, I think because then we would be saying that everyone who's been abused or had a traumatic past becomes an abuser, and that's not true. There are so many people that have had really horrific backgrounds and they haven't gone on to abuse. They've gone on to, you know, lead really good lives, help people, you know, maybe even relapse, but they've never gone on to abuse. Mm. Um, so I do just think that, yeah, some people, there may be factors in it mm. when you look at certain things in their life. But I also think that there are some people that really do just have that way about them. Yeah, and, and it's quite scary because, as you say, these people appear to be very normal. And again, you know, it's not something that um, affects their uh, ability. So um, externally, their appearance, they'll look fine. You know, they'll dress well, they'll be polite. They'll, you know, there's a lot of things that you think what would what could possibly be wrong. So, you know, it is quite... Um, a scary thing to be in because you know you look at that now camilla we have actually come into um the first half of our uh, show so we are going to go over to a short commercial break um for those of you that have just tuned in where have you been uh, but go um use this opportunity while we have this uh, commercial break to go refill your um cups of tea or brew whatever it is that you're having with me this morning and join us after the break inshallah where we are talking about trauma and grief please do text in any messages or um uh, whatsapp messages that you have assalamu alaikum assalamu alaikum this is atif nawaz listen to inspire fm shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on apple podcasts or spotify Assalamu alaikum and good morning. Welcome back to Mother's Planet. Uh, I'm your host, Neelam, and joining me on the show is my guest, Camilla. Uh, Assalamu alaikum, Camilla. Wa alaikum salam. Uh, yeah, so I'm having one of those crazy mornings, uh, Camilla. This is uh, what happens when you have had only had, um, I've had about four hours sleep, maybe. So it's self-inflicted, you know, you know, when you think, oh, it's quiet, I'll just get this done, I get that done. And then you look up and you think, where did the time go? It's been one of those nights for me where I've just um, taken up too much of my time and I should have slept, really. So, um, yeah, bear with me. Uh, so this morning, uh, C- Camilla and I have been talking about trauma and um, we've been understanding the concept of trauma and um, looking at some of the, um, I guess, types of trauma and understanding what each one is. And... Um, we we didn't really address the um, age factor around trauma because you know trauma can it, it, it could be of any age. Yeah. So um, 
We've got a, a, a study now, and it's one of the things that I actually do training in. It's called Adverse Childhood Experiences. And um, it, it was a study that was originally done um, by two doctors in America, but it wasn't related to abuse. It was just related to health matters. But when they did this research, they found that most of these individuals who were experiencing certain symptoms and illnesses and whatever, that there was other factors um, within their life and from this was born the aces and they put them into different categories so they put them into um you know different types of abuse neglect and also household dysfunction so where the child may have been experienced to um domestic violence there may have been substance abuse um a parent was incarcerated um you know any kind of emotional physical sexual abuse emotional physical neglect and all these things coupled in with the person's environment did they live in poverty did they live in a certain kind of community were there cultural um, problems this showed us the impact um of how trauma could impact someone in childhood yeah so yes anyone can be affected because if you have someone that abuses a child that's an event isn't it so that event is going to cause trauma if a child is severely neglected that's an event so that child will have trauma from that neglect especially if that child has not been rescued or taken from that that place of trauma yes yes so yeah i mean and, and it's quite sad as well because yes you know um would you say that it takes quite you know a long time for anyone to that's that's gone through any form of trauma and any five of any one of those five that you've mentioned would it take a long time you know in your experience have you seen people not heal right so um there's not a specific timeline because trauma is unique to everybody to each individual it's their own unique journey and their pattern can we heal from trauma most definitely we can it's not impossible um you know but the work has to be put in the individual has to put that working um so that they are able to um start that journey of healing so how long trauma lasts it really depends on that individual and you know how well they use the resources and the tools and the skill and also their support system however trauma definitely doesn't have to be a life sentence okay yeah so um looking at grief um uh would you say grief is linked with trauma or are they two separate emotions so if we think about grief and trauma we think about what it is mm. so usually after you've had a loss there's that shock of there there's that denial isn't there that you can't believe that you know you've lost that person that you knew who was dear to you um yeah if this kind of intensifies um if it continues really really long term that that deep raw feeling that you have at the beginning of grief usually would subside over time doesn't mean you don't miss the person anymore but you wouldn't have those raw emotions that you'd have at the beginning um so if you are experiencing this it could be that yes you are leading towards having um trauma or trauma being born within your body because again it's an event that's excessive for you all right and then when we think about the reactions then from a person again we could mistake them because it could look like um someone who's behaving unpredictably yes mm -hmm. and someone might think well hold on a minute 
you know, her father died four years ago, so it can't be that. But because they never processed it, because they never really got over it, it stayed stuck within them. Mm. So that that is actually why they're acting out like that. But for me and you, we wouldn't we wouldn't see that unless you're trauma informed, then you'd be able to make that link. So it's like most people, if you if you talk to most people um, who are experiencing trauma, more than likely, you'll always find there was a catalyst somewhere earlier in their life. Mm. There was something and they may not always remember it because sometimes the mind shuts itself down to protect that person. But their behavior will tell them that feeling in the body, there is something not right because the body will keep reacting. Um, So there's something not right. So once you see that, um, you know, you're not able to move on from this, that it impedes your daily life, that you can't go through this grief process. Yeah. And it becomes the focal point of your being. Then, yes, I would say trauma has been born within you. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, um, you know, um, looking at grief then, um, would you say grief, again, this is something that would take a long time for somebody to heal from? Or, you know, does people do people actually um, heal from grief? So, OK, so because that grief is the response to loss, particularly the loss of someone, as I said, that may have died or to which a bond of affection, you know, you really had a good affection with them. It was formed. Um, what will happen is, is that this will impact on everything. So your emotional, your spiritual, your cultural, all of those, all of those beings. So it is it's a natural emotional process, really. Right. That's what grief is. It's actually a natural process of healing after a loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And if you if you do this, um, then it allows the intensity of that pain and sadness to decrease over time. And then you can move forward with your life. Yes. So, yes. again, it doesn't have to be that you can never heal from it or, as we say, the a life sentence. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, uh I mean, I know you've been running quite a few. Um, we have a um, another question that's just come through, so I just wanted to share this with you now. Um, yeah. Hi, what advice would you will you give to those of us who are suffering by trauma, but we have so much taboo within our communities to seek help? That's a very good question. Yeah. So the Trauma Healing Collective, this is why we are here. We're Muslim women. We're women of colour. You know, even in my, my own, um, in the community that... Um, you know, I left when I became Muslim in the black community. We have this same thing. There's stigma. There's taboos attached to it. But we have to speak out. We have to be there to educate the community and help them to understand that this is something that we we have a duty. We actually have an Islamic duty to take care of those in our community. And this this is a form of suffering and it shouldn't look any different to any other form of suffering. Yeah, because if we, 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 we hold workshops on cancer, we hold workshops on illnesses, we hold workshops on all these things and we talk about them. But trauma is also actually a form of human suffering. Yeah. And I think that it really is about raising awareness yeah. and educating the wider community. And alhamdulillah, I will say there are people that are coming forward. They are listening. They are trying to understand but there's a lot of work to do. Yes. 
Yes, and I, and I think you know um, it's a cultural thing because you know uh, as we know trauma is um, you know it's very easily said that oh just get over it you know yeah oh that, those words are so person. easy to say and 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 it's and and literally people say it you know just just get over it and so you've already shut that person out and blocked that person 100%. out opening up and so you know it's very hard for anyone and then the other um impact things like that can have is um it makes that person feel that okay that experience that I went through, to me, it's like a huge traumatic experience. But actually, this person's just told me to get over it. So it must be really minute. It must not even be, you know, of any significance. Yeah, it, it's the belittling of, of of someone else's experience or the comparisons. You know, there are people worse off than you. Get over it. Oh, God, you're so dramatic. Yeah. When actually this suffering that this person is going through. And, you know, I think sometimes we don't think of the impact of our words because the impact of our words could be the cause of somebody to even maybe attempt to take their life because they may be in such a fragile state at that time when they speak to you. And you say something like, get over it, or, you know, you're being dramatic, or it's not that bad. It can actually tip a person over the edge. So, uh, you know, language, <laughs> you know, we have to be really careful of the language that we use. And, um, you know, we've all been guilty of it in the past. But, you know, ignorance isn't any excuse, because there are organisations out there now that are trying their best to get the message out you know muslim organizations that are trying to get the message out whether it be about mental health um you know mental well-being whatever and definitely the trauma healing collective we have been very 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 vocal um about the work that we're doing and you know even with people trying to throw barriers in our ways we we have continued um to you know really send this message out that we need to have a trauma-informed community yeah, absolutely. Um, and we've had um, a follow on message um, from that to say that um, I sought help through my GP's counselling services, but felt patronised because um, I cover. Um, and I'm assuming she must mean like um, hijab in a yes. that she wears. How can I navigate getting the right help when they are supposed to help me? Now, this yeah. is a very interesting question. I'm sorry um, I interrupted. Yeah. No, it's fine the physical appearance and you know again it's this um it's this stereotypical view everyone has that oh you know because you're asian and because of the way you dress you're 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 likely to be suppressed you're likely to be um uh, you know oppressed um and so for these reasons you know yes there's no doubt that you're going to go through um trauma or any form of so there's already this whole negative connotation to how this person physically is looking and so you know it's very difficult for that, that person that is seeking help to actually knock on the right door and say you know so what well, how how what are they supposed to do well, this was one of the reasons why the Trauma Healing Collective was set, um, set up, because this was something that was coming back to us time and time again. We're going to these organisations, we're going to our GP, um, we feel patronised, we feel like our faith is being blamed. Um, you know, um, they don't understand, they put it all down to us being, you know, backward or our culture. And, you know, believe you me, even as a professional in the field, I get it, you know, I wear a niqab. And so when they when they see me or they see me presenting or oh that's her I me mean, must a lot of them know who I am now but oh that's that that's Camilla Lacey with a name like that and a voice like that and she looks like that 
you know, I've even heard someone say without them thinking that I've heard them, how can I expect to be taken seriously as a professional looking the way that I do? Wow. Um, so the ignorance is real and it's there. So what I would say is that, you know, sometimes your GP is not going to be the best person. Um, but I will just drop this in there. The Trauma Healing Collective at the moment, we are running three 40-minute sessions for the next eight to ten months at Berry Park Community Centre. Okay. Um, so if anybody is interested and they want free sessions, um, we've got different workers, so it depends on what you need, um, you know, if it's mental health support, whatever it is, what you need, then we will link you with that person. And, you know, we'll help you for as long as you need those sessions. Um, so we managed to secure some funding for Luton residents, okay. um, obviously women and girls only. So if anybody needs that, then please feel free um, to go to um, our website and fill out a contact form and somebody will be in contact with you. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, um, talk me through a bit about this setup that you've created, you know, because I know that you did a few um, drop off uh, coffee mornings as well around uh, and they were scattered in different places across the town, I believe. So, you yeah, know, so what we did, we had, we set up something called the self-care cafe and that will still be running. It will start again next month because okay. um, there was a way, way for a bit. I had a, uh, took a week off. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. And the idea behind the self-care cafe was that it was very, very informal. So, Sisters could just come along. We had girls, say, from 16 plus and women that could just come along. And each month we had a theme. So one month was anxiety, another was boundaries, um, another was self-care. And it's just a very informal setting where we speak, we talk. It's a safe space. Sisters can maybe say things they're feeling which they couldn't maybe say in front of their family or work colleagues or whatever and you know everybody just you know sits there we talk about things and you know sometimes it's really good because the sister may be able to give advice of an experience she had whatever you know tea biscuits and cake and it's just a very chilled informal um environment and i felt that that worked really well because we don't want people to feel apprehensive when when trying to get help and trying to work out what's actually going on with them, we want them to be able to feel that they are safe yes. and that they're being heard. So this was the idea be, behind the self-care cafe. Um, and um, then what we, we realised was as well, affordability for some people, it's not it's not easy. Um, you know, a lot of sisters who are in these situations, especially if it's DV, they may not have access to funds. So alhamdulillah, as I said, we secured some funding on the back of that and are now able to offer, you know, 40-minute sessions. So we usually say to sisters that we'll do them in blocks of six for you, then we'll review them, see what you need. And if you need another block of six, so be it, you know, and giving them all the strategies and the help that they need um, and the support um, on their healing journey. Absolutely. So, I mean, looking at the strategies and um, and technology, I know every every technique that you apply or strategy you apply is actually in down to the individual and the trauma that they've gone through or the grief that they're facing. But um, typically, you know, what's you know the overall what what generally do you um, do you use technique wise? So first of all, what we do, I always um, do what I call mapping the territory. In my first meeting with anyone, yeah. I always do that. And what, what that is, is first of all, that the person has to understand um, what trauma is and how it impacts them. And then we just look at things. We look at what's happening in their life, what they feel is um, the most pressing for them, um, 
you know, what they feel is happening. And sometimes people will say, well, I didn't realise such and such was happening, but my family told me I'm acting irrational or I'm doing such mm. and such. Um, so it's really just about getting an overall picture um, of what's going on for that person. And then once we've done that, then we look at how we're going to work with that person. And we take different things into consideration. So, for instance, if we have a sister that may be pregnant, let's say, we would then involve our birth trauma specialist because the treatment is going to impact her differently because she's pregnant, the hormones, there's different things going on. Mm -hmm. So we would then work in sync with the birth trauma specialist um, who would work with her, stabilise her, and then, you know, we'd see what she needs um, once, once she's had the child. So we have a look, we have a mental health support worker, so we have a look at who is the best fit for that person and then once that happens, then we start using our program. And our program is all about, you know, um, exploring. It's about healing and affirmation. Um, so for myself personally, I use a program that's healing from the trauma of abuse. So any kind of abuse yeah. um, with somatic techniques. And what that means is that if we think about the body and mind as one. Yes. Right. We don't just look at cognitive because the body definitely remembers what the mind forgets. And that's why when you're scared, your body will react. Your heart will beat fast. Um, your hands will start getting clammy. You'll feel like you want to run from the situation because the body is reacting to what they perceive as a threat. So that's the healing program I use where the body and the mind are connected and I always say to my clients that it's like we may be thinking, okay, next week we're going to be doing such and such, but something could come up mm-hmm. within the, that week for them, and then we have to address that. So we're also kind of flexible mm. because if something comes up that could disrupt the process that we're doing with them, we have to address that yes. so that we can get them back, you know, um, on board with, with with what they're doing. Yes. Um so so that that's what it is. And it really is, again, as I said, it, it's down to the individual. But, you know, something that I'd really like to say about healing, because healing's not like how some of us may think it's a miracle. I've been to see someone. I'm going to go to sleep tonight. And when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to be healed. That's something what the movies are made of. That's 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 not reality. So what healing looks like is if you feel better today than you did yesterday, if you feel better next week than you did last week, this is what healing looks like. If you can stop allowing the past to impact your present, because that is what healing is, because the trauma that you're experiencing is is your past, but you're living with that past in the present. So if we can work with you and you can put the work in, that the past is not impacting your present, that is what healing looks like. And when somebody understands that, it really makes a journey for them, you know, um, uh, more easier because you do have people, unfortunately, that do mislead and always say, if it seems too good, it is too good. We can heal your trauma in three months. That's very negligent to say to somebody, pay us this amount and we can heal your trauma in three months. After four sessions, we found that 90% of our people are cured. This is not true. Yeah. So if you see something like that, know that what that person is saying to you is a myth because it's your journey and everyone's journey is individual. 
and different absolutely yeah you know camilla i have to say this because i'm in admiration of your attire because you know uh, wearing the hijab wearing the niqab and presenting yourself in in an industry like this um you're actually giving hope to a lot of women because you know the women the woman the lady or i'm assuming sister that's messaged in this morning saying because of the way she dresses she's being prejudged you're actually a standing figure to show these women that actually it doesn't matter how you dress and how you appear um you know you can you can heal and you can get help so i'm in awe of your um work that you do and i'm i'm in also admiration that you've not stopped you know the way you dress because uh, a lot of people do when when you start you know mingling in these kind of communities and uh, networks you feel that you have to sort of take something off just so that you can network better yeah. but actually you've persevered so you know and so for anyone that is listening in and for anyone that is looking to get some help and advice can see that from yourself that you've networked and you've grown your um trauma clinic and actually it's you know only been because Qadr of Allah, Allah has blessed you and you know the good work that you are doing for the community but you are an inspiration. Um, I have a one short very question to ask and I'm not sure if I'm going to have enough time because I'm conscious of it but we're often guided by our faith and our you know we remain you know in our faith um, so whenever we feel on edge about anything we remember you know um, Allah is um, with us and we try and keep connected and that's only with the person that has faith someone that is lost their way a little bit through trauma through grief um and doesn't have faith you know what advice could you offer them so what we've got to understand right so when someone's experiencing that trauma especially if it's complex trauma um their thought patterns are very very irrational okay um so if we think of the person who is in a state of mental incapacity, the yeah. pen's lifted, isn't it, until that person returns to the state of having that capacity. So sometimes we may think that we're doing the best thing when we're saying, you know, sister, just have sabr, sister, just um, vicar, sister, recite the Quran, whatever. But you're talking to someone who's irrational. Yes. Okay, you're not talking to someone that's in their rational mind. Mm -hmm. So when you're telling that to that person, they're not, having any comprehension of what you're saying to them, right? So what might look to us as a lack of faith or a person losing their faith might not necessarily be so. It might be that that person's in such a state of a mental breakdown at that time and their thought pattern is irrational that they cannot, it's difficult for them to grab onto that belief, yeah? Um, they cannot see things clearly, right? So it will impact on them, right? So as I said, it doesn't mean that they no longer believe. What this person actually needs is they need a really good support network around them, yeah? So ideally that would be, say, family members or very close friends, um, people that they're in contact with a lot. And those people um, with the knowledge can help to support them through that traumatic state. Once that person has returned to that state of calm, then you will find naturally they incline back towards their faith for comfort. Inshallah, yes. Yeah. I've had very few people, I've had maybe a couple of people that have found it very hard because of the nature of their abuse and being so young when that nature of the abuse took place that they will turn around and say, well, you know, I've lost my faith. Mm -hmm. But once we restore that person to calm, 
then usually we're able to encourage them and you will see that they will turn back to it. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, Camilla, you did mention about your uh, drop-in clinics in Berry Park. Can I just get you to share um, a website? And what I will do is I'll have this uploaded onto the Facebook page of our show. So anyone that wants to find out more information, they can. So just um, just a, a website link or something. Yeah. So www.traumahealingcollective.co.uk. That's www.traumahealingcollective.co.uk. .co.uk. You can go on there and you can fill out the contact form where we'll give you a free 30-minute consultation and then we can give you an appointment and go from there, inshallah. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Camilla. Um, Always a pleasure. Having you on today. Thank you so much. Jamal Brak and assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org. And follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.